Welcome one and welcome all to the PFN Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Tate. You can find me over at X at Derek Tate NFL. That is the one and only Kyle Soppy. You can find him at Kyle Soppy PFN on X, formerly known as Twitter. We've got the Start Sit Podcast heading into week 17, which is the fantasy football championship round for many of you fantasy enthusiasts out there. Soppy, you got one call right last week in comparison to me when we're talking about Brees Hall versus Gus Edwards. Gus Bus did find the he end did. zone, He's but scoring. not enough, not enough times to be able to justify, you know, starting him over Brees Hall, who went for over 190, 190 total yards and two scores against the Commanders in Week 17 or 16. Yeah, no, I mean, at the end of the day, if you played either Gus Edwards or Brees Hall, you're probably doing fine. Gus Edwards, my whole stance was that I didn't think he'd score, and he scored. So in that sense, I was wrong. But Brees Hall went bananas against a Commanders defense that. Let's face it, they might be worse on that side of the ball than the Jets are bad on the other side of the ball. You know, it's it's kind of pick your poison there. But yeah, we're cruising. We're in week 17. It's championship time. There's no regrets now. If you want to sit a star running, if you want to sit Derrick Henry for freaking Chuba Hubbard, now's the time to do it. There's no holding back. I've, I've had this happen in past years where it's, you're, you wake up like in a cold sweat in the middle of February. Be like, I lost that game. The final game of my season because I was too stubborn to move on to some thought I had in September, some name I was attached to. So, no, we're not doing that. We're here to help you sort out who's good for week 17. It's no longer the long game. It's one week. We're here to win this single week. It has become a one-week season, as we would like to put it. All the chips on the table, winner take all. It is time to dive into this, Soppy. So before we do, you can check out our Start Set Optimizer over at pfnfantasy.com. Run our Start Set suggestions. Cater it specifically to your lineup. Use our tool. It's a fantastic one that is completely free over at pfnfantasy.com. Also, join the fantasy uh, PFN Fantasy Discord, which is just around 1,500 members strong all passionate fantasy football members that talk fantasy football around the clock 24 7 we'll leave the link in the description soppy will jump right into it starting at the running back position who is your number one running back to start heading into week 17 yeah and i mentioned some of those big names that you might want to sit and austin eckler's kind of trending that direction but i'm willing to fire him up here in the championship round you've got the Broncos here, obviously not a defense we're worried about. The worst run defense in terms of yards per carry on the board. And I get that Austin Eckler's involvement hasn't been great, but you're talking about a dude that had 101% of the Charger running back rushing yards last week against the Bills. 101%. That's a pretty darn good roll. I know you're not a big numbers guy, Derek, but 101%, that is a high rate for those keeping track at home. I'll take my chances. If I get a talent like this, a versatile guy like this, touching the ball that often against a bad defense that I let's face it, the Chargers don't have many ways to move the ball these days. Austin Eckler is one of those, if you want to say he's washed to a degree or a step slow, I'll buy it. So he's not running back five. He's more like running back 17. That's fine. You're still starting him, Austin Eckler, in my starting lineups in week 17. So I'm on board with Austin Eckler. I do think that the matchup is one where I don't think the game is going to get out of hand. One thing that the Denver Broncos aren't doing, even in the midst of their resurgence towards the back half of the season after a 1-5 and start, they're not blowing teams out, no. right? So they're not generating a whole lot of points enough to where the game script is going to get Eckler out of the lineup like what, what we saw in week 15 against the Las Vegas Raiders. But over the last three games, Soppy, the Denver Broncos defense has only allowed 106 yards per game on the ground. But 
Eckler is such a do-it-all back, can still pop a big play occasionally. The offense is a little bit tricky, which is why we're having the conversation right. with Easton Stick under center. Otherwise, Austin Eckler would be an automatic start, but I'm okay with, definitely with starting him uh, against the Denver Broncos in Week 17. For me, I'm actually going to go a different direction. There's been no team that has allowed more rushing yards per game over the last three contests than the Arizona Cardinals at 174 yards yeah. per game. And to me, that screams... Let's fire up DeAndre Swift. I've been a little bit hesitant on him over the past recent month or so. Some usage concerns. Kenneth Gainwell getting a little bit more involved than I like. But in two straight games, 18 carries, then 20 carries last week for 92 yards and did find the end zone. Barely, but he did find he the end there. zone against the New York Giants. <laughs> but he got there. And I see another productive week uh, and a heavy usage for DeAndre Swift heading into week 17 in a about as favorable a matchup as you can get um, from a fantasy perspective against the Arizona Cardinals defense. Yeah, I'm on board there. I mean, teams against the Cardinals just live in the red zone. And I understand that Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, the guys, like they're they're going to be the main threats in the red zone. But if you're talking four or five trips to the red zone, there's no reason Swift can't punch one in fully on board with that. Trending in the right direction, that's all you can ask for this time of year. Speaking of trending in the right direction, who's another running back that you feel pretty good and confident about starting in week 17? Yeah, and I have no idea if I should take the L on this situation from the preseason or if I was right for if I get like partial credit. My my wife's a teacher, so I have to get some partial credit here. I can't be completely wrong, but Ezekiel Elliott might be a freaking game winner, matchup winner, league winner this time of year when I didn't think he should be on rosters back in September. So that that is what it is. But I mean, you're talking about a guy that's got 25 catches in his last four games. He gets the Bills this week I get the defense is moving in the right direction he has more catches over his last four games than Stefan Diggs does we're talking in this matchup here <laughs> Zeke is just so used in this passing game he's used in the running to running game as well don't get me wrong but the efficiency just isn't there it doesn't need to be at this rate if he's getting 20 touches he's getting those valuable looks in the passing game which are high percentage looks because it's not like he's running high eight out routes these are all around the line of scrimmage so you're talking five or six targets are going to be four or five catches that's gold in the PPR setting we know we saw the hurdles last week we're not vintage Zeke but he can still run over some people he can still get into the end zone if they get close enough they're gonna be playing from behind I expect that touch count to be impressive again it's gonna be enough he's gonna get there one way or another by hook or by crook is Zeke a top 20 guy for me so where you're hitting a home run on this is just the usage in the passing game right so uh, watching this watching this New England offense and in particular with Zeke's production in the passing game, Sapi, these are passes that you and I could throw to him. Mm. Like, you know, one, two, three. Well, I, okay, well, I, you know, once upon a time, I used to throw the rock a little bit. Oh, I never did. If you don't feel confident in your throwing skills, that's fine. I, I'm saying these are check downs. These are, like you said, the A dot is, is probably less than five yards from the line of scrimmage. It might be less not, than zero. <laughs> right. It might be in the backfield. It may be negative. So the point is, is these are, these are, you know, check downs for a struggling offense that at times is just going to try to get the ball out of their hands because the other wide receivers outside of pop Douglas can't really create any separation, which is just leading to Zeke seeing uh, uh, a ton of targets, which capped out at 11 last week for nine receptions for 33 yards did find the end zone through the era. I'm with Zeke as more of a PPR floor type play mm -hmm. than expecting a big rushing performance against the Buffalo sure. Bills. For me, I'm going to switch over. And we haven't, I haven't mentioned this guy's name on the start aspect of this 
since like the season opener. Okay. That is the Green Bay Packers running back Aaron Jones soppy. Look, he looked healthy. He looked the part. For the first time in a long time, I understand it was against the Carolina defense that has given up a, a ton of fantasy points to opposing running backs this season. But 21 carries for 127 yards at six yards per carry, and he held up. That's encouraging. To me, that is enough against the Minnesota Vikings defense that, sure, they've been much better as a unit than I expected heading into the season. But if you can guarantee me that Aaron Jones is going to see north of 13, 15 carries in this game, which he has seen 13 or more in two straight games, Soppy, um, and of course we know that he's capable as a pass catcher, then I've got Aaron Jones as as a top 20 option this week. Yeah, I'm with you, and it's not like A.J. Dillon's done anything to to really earn work here. He scored last week, but you're talking about a guy with a broken thumb and se- seven carries for 12 yards. I mean, come on. The guy hasn't done anything. This offense clearly needs balance. We know the Jordan Love experience is an up-and-down one. If you give him the run game, the pass game will follow. I'm with you here. Aaron Jones trending in the right direction after, you know, like two and a half months off of being off our radar. So let's flip the coin to the other side. Sapi, who's your number one running back that you would prefer to fade out of your starting lineup in championship week? Yeah, I'm going to double down here. Gus Edwards, I mean, he had nine carries last week. He scored, I get it, and that's what you're banking on from him. But the guy's, his average finish is outside the top 40 when he doesn't score a touchdown. He's, this game's going to get up and down with Miami. I get that. But Baltimore is very clearly wants the ball in the hands of Lamar Jackson. And who could blame him? He's the favorite to win the MVP award right now. And if the ball's in his hands, it's not in Gus Edwards' hand because he's not an option in the pass game. He has a few spike plays in the pass game or whatever. You can't project that moving forward. I'm not convinced the volume's going to be there. Todd Munkin very much prefers the short pass game to the to the run game here. You've got Zay Flowers starting to show up a little bit. Isaiah Likely, we know, is an option. And Justice Hill isn't dead. He's an option in this passing game. In this running game, they're basically splitting work. If that's going to be the case and a ground game that I don't necessarily trust in the first place, Gus Edwards outside my top 25, not comfortable starting him in this spot. You weren't comfortable last week, nope. and it makes sense. I mean, one, he did have one catch for 39 yards. was actually pretty cool. It was more than what I expected. It's one target. Um, that's a problem. I, I can care less about the 39 <laughs> yards. It's one target. That's a problem. He also had one target and one catch for 80 yards back against the Detroit Lions once upon a time back in week seven. But, you know, the it was a weird game script, right? So Brock Purdy threw four interceptions, uh, gave the Ravens a short field on a couple of occasions. So it felt like the play snap count was a little bit wonky and off. But um, the point is they are splitting work between Gus Edwards and Justice Hill in this backfield. Um, You know, I, I personally think that the Ravens have kind of established themselves as one of the, if not the Super Bowl favorite right now with that performance against the 49ers. And now they've got another test yep. against the Miami Dolphins. I think that they're going to make life difficult and get very physical with this high-powered, high-speed offense um, heading into this contest. And this is actually a perfect segue to my number one running back to fade out of your starting lineup this week, and that's Devon Achan. Um that may come as a surprise because yeah. Devon Achan is capable of making anybody telling them to sit him look really, really That's silly. Risk, yeah. <laughs> it is a very risk, a very high risk. 
but look, he's not been the same guy since he's come back from injured nope. reserve. Um, just hasn't been. And he's been dinged up. He had a knee injury. Then he then he picked up a toe injury, re-aggravated the knee injury. It, he doesn't – that efficiency has plummeted compared to what we saw earlier this season when he looked like a league winner and averaging 12.1 yards He looked like Barry freaking Sanders. Like, forget league winner. He looked like the greatest running back of all time. Right. So, but you know, on, on 38 carries through the first five weeks of the season, he averaged 12 yards per clip, but since he's come back, he's had 41 carries and averaged just 4.3 yards per carry, which is much more pedestrian. And he actually had his least efficient outing, uh, this past week just doesn't look right. And then you're, you combine that with the fact that they're going to be going up against the Baltimore Ravens who are a very talented, stout defensive unit on all three levels of the football field. I just would rather go in a different direction because his efficiency at this point with only seeing around seven to 10 touches on a per game basis, even if he is able to make it through an entire game, that efficiency is no longer high enough to justify starting him in particular against a bad matchup and the efficiencies drop to a point where there's just not enough meat on the bone to justify starting him over a lot of other running back two options this week. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. A low volume, tough matchup spot. It's just a tough sell with the fantasy championship on the line, not in fantasy championships here, our DFS contest. So we'll talk about him on the podcast tomorrow. I think he's a nice game theory option if you want to get exposure that way. But I'm with you in season long. He's my running back 25 this week, and I might be a little too high on him. Speaking of a little bit too high, who are who's another player that you're not very high on <laughs> heading into week 17 at the running back spot? It's tough, but I think you got to bench Jerome Ford on Thursday night against the Jets. Obviously, we know the matchup's less than ideal, but you're talking about consecutive games without a touch gaining more than 10 yards for Mr. Ford. And this is just a Browns offense that's as crazy as it sounds. Here we are in, it's almost New Year's, and we're saying this is a Browns offense that is dictated 100% by what Joe Flacco wants to do. I, I didn't have that on the two, 2023 bingo card. I didn't have it on the bingo card a month ago, let alone a year ago. But here we are. We're talking 42 passes last week. Ford had negative two receiving yards. The volume in the pass game isn't going to stop anytime soon because they're not going to be able to run the ball in this spot. So if we can't count on those four to six catches from Ford, which he was giving us for about a month here, I, I think the bottom could flaw, fall out in a big way. We could be looking at what Gus, Gus Edwards did last week, but without the touchdown because I don't think there's going to be many points scored on Thursday night because it's the Browns against the Jets. It's two of the best defenses against two of the most inept offenses Outside of Amari Cooper, I get all that. But Jerome Ford, to me, in an offense that wants to move the ball through the air and not through Ford, is far more risk than he is reward in the spot. The ineptitude when it comes to the Cleveland Browns offense recently has nothing to do with the passing game. No. It has to do with the, run, the running game. And Jerome Ford, in three out of the last four games, has failed to top 25 yards rushing. That's just not... And then his pass-catching floor, despite Flacco throwing the ball all right. over the yard... Ford just saw two targets for one reception for negative two yards. So that PPR floor, although we saw it a couple weeks ago, he feels very, very shaky. And I just feel there's a lot of risk associated with Jerome Ford. Sure, the game script could favor the Browns running the football if they are able to do defensively what I expect them to do to the New York Jets offense in this contest, but he's still splitting work with Kareem Hunt, still getting vultured for rushing touchdowns on a pretty much regular basis. There's just not enough 
like meat on the bone right now to justify starting Jerome Ford uh, in this spot for me. This one may come as a little bit of a surprise to you, Soppy, um, because in two straight games, it's been 17 carries uh, and a rushing touchdown last week for David Montgomery. I'm actually considering going other directions, heading into their matchup against the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys average 39 points per game at home. They're riding a two-game losing streak where, you know, they're still in contention for the division uh, there in the NFC East. This is a gotta-have-it game. Dak Prescott and the offense has played miles better at home. I do think the Detroit Lions are capable of giving up some big performances uh, to opposing offenses. Is there a script potentially where the Lions fall behind in this contest on the road and have to rely on Jared Goff's arm, which then that features Jameer Gibbs? Um, Sure, David Montgomery is a threat to score a rushing touchdown similar to Gus Edwards on any given week, Mm -hmm. and he's been heavily involved as a runner. But they've also faced off against, you know, some offenses that are – a work in progress, to put it kindly, with Nick Mullins and the Minnesota Vikings last week and then two weeks ago against the Denver Broncos and even before that against the Chicago Bears. Uh, but when they fell behind against the Bears and got upset, you know, Montgomery only had 10 carries as opposed to the 17 that we've seen in two straight weeks. So there feels a little bit of game script that could be at play here. I expect the Cowboys to have a bounce-back performance on the offensive side of the ball, which could lead to a slightly you know, reduced workload for Montgomery in week 17. Yeah, I'm with the general thought here. I want to know, if, if there's a world in which you drafted Montgomery, maybe added A-Chan and free agency early, or you drafted him late. Of those two, I've got him ranked back-to-back. Of those two, who are you plugging in for week 17? Montgomery, 100%. A greater chance, yeah. greater chance. Yeah, greater chance to score. Even, even with a reduced workload, I still expect Montgomery to see more carries than Devon A-Chan yeah. uh, this upcoming week. And... The matchup against the Cowboys, if there's actually a way to be able to, if there's a path to the Lions winning the game, it's because I think that they'll be able to impose their will against that Dallas front that has proven that they can be run on on a couple of occasions, including during this losing streak, namely against the Buffalo Bills. So if there is a track to the Lions going on the road and picking up this win, it would be with them being able to impose their will on on the front unit. But I just think the Cowboys offense is going to have a a big bounce back performance against this Lions defense, um, which is why I'm fading him a little bit, but I've got A-Chan lower than Montgomery in Week 17. I think you handicapped that perfect, and that's why it's important for all the listeners and all the managers out there to kind of think of the game as a whole here. Your path to a Detroit Lions victory or upset, however you want to phrase that, is through David Montgomery. If A-Chan is quiet, The Dolphins could still win that game. They don't necessarily need him to factor into a win the way the Lions would need Montgomery. So I think where you're headed here, the story you're telling, we all have to have opinions for these games when you're trying to work on start-sit situations. And if that's the case, Montgomery means more to the Lions' success. He's more closely tied to their success. So I'm with you there. I have Montgomery a spot higher. I find myself with a lot of these players, though, having an optimistic angel and a pessimistic angel sitting on 100%. both of my <laughs> shoulders and, you know, trying to vie for my ear on a regular basis. But speaking of a regular basis, uh, we've had this promo with ESPN Bet going for a while. And if you haven't heard, 
ESPN's new sports betting app, ESPN Bet, is now live. Secure $250 in bonus bets by signing up with the link in the episode description and use promo code PFN, and you will instantly have $200 in bonus bets in your account, plus another $50 within 24 hours. Must physically be present in one of the 17 states that legally have ESPN Bet for bonuses, 21 plus and present in participating states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So let's move to the wide receiver position. Sapi, who is your number one wide receiver to start heading into week 17? I guess the more we change, the more we're the same here. I'm going to go with a Derek Tate special here in Zay Flowers. I'm going the other way here. I'm fading Gus Edwards. I'm telling a story that they're putting the ball in Lamar Jackson's hands to win them this game, to win him the MVP. And Zay Flowers, how could you not be impressed with what we've seen? We've seen it at points this season, and now he's rolling at the right time. He's got a touchdown in three of his last four. He's got at least 10 targets in two of his last three. You're talking about a guy that runs around on over 85% of Lamar Jackson dropbacks in five straight games. He's their featured guy. Odell Beckham's kind of disappearing a little bit here. Isaiah likely still a factor, but we know the running backs aren't that involved. They're going to drop back Lamar 40 times in this game, and if that's the case, I don't care if eight to 10 of them are runs or designed runs or however they want to do it with him and his athleticism. Zay Flowers is going to continue to get fed in that short passing game and that's what I like we're talking high percentage targets in a high scoring game what's not to like there Zay Flowers should be in store for another big game he's a top 25 guy for me rather easily I love the talent love what you've been selling all season long I'm on board with him to realistically dictating the outcome of my fantasy championship I lost faith in him last week uh, after a one catch for seven yard performance in week 15 uh, you know it was Tough to watch him not very involved in that game. But major bounce back performance on arguably the biggest stage that you could have in the regular season with two teams uh, sitting atop the conference standings, vying for their number one um, seed head at this point in the season. And Zay Flowers delivered the goods against a very good defense. So I'm okay rolling with him. And they move them all over the formation. Um, it didn't look like, you know, Jalen Ramsey or Xavier Howard were shadowing CD Lamb this past week. So the way that they use Flowers and move them all over the formation, although those are two very quality corners, I don't see Flowers being shadowed uh, every single snap by either of those players. I think he's going to be heavily involved and very productive again in week 17. I'm going to go with T. Higgins. I understand we just saw the Kansas City defense. Put it on Devontae Adams in the passing game of the Las Vegas Raiders and Aiden O'Connell and yada, yada, yada. Well, Jake Browning is still got this team in the thick of the AFC playoff picture. Got to tip my hat to him. And one big reason why is because of what we've seen from T. Higgins over the last two games. Three touchdowns in the last two contests. Five receptions for 140 yards last week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I understand Legereus Sneed, Trent McDuffie. This is a talented secondary there in Kansas City. But if there is a path to the Cincinnati Bengals going on the road and picking up the win at Harrowhead and avenging last year's loss in the AFC Championship game, T. Higgins has got to be the guy. I expect him to still see a, a north of eight targets in this contest. The efficiency is where we have some questions, but I trust that he's going to make a couple big plays and win some of those one-on-ones against Legereus Sneed in Week 17. You calling your shot? Is that what we just heard? Derek Tate calling the road win in Arrowhead to continue the struggles of uh, Taylor Swift and company over there in Kansas City? Is that is that what we have going on? No. Nah. But uh, <laughs> I see it, it, that's the path. Again, we're talking about the uh, potential game scripts that could play out. If the Bengals are going to pull off the upset – 
it's going to be because Jake Browning continues to play at a high level. Um, and, and T Higgins has to be productive. I, I don't see any of the other pass catchers there in, in Cincinnati um, being able to produce enough against this secondary and then being able to pull off a, an upset on the road if T Higgins isn't productive and, and able to win some of those one-on-ones. I agree. So, I agree. I've got him ranked a spot below my number two option here in Chris Godwin. Who's coming on of late? I, I understand that he probably cost you any chance at the playoffs, and now he's peaking at the right time. So, have we ever seen a Bucks receiver do that? I can't remember. A certain Mike Evans, like stinking for the entire year, and then lighting the world on fire when the fantasy world couldn't care less about it last season. Chris Godwin got a little bit more of a pathway here with three straight games with at least ten targets, very much moving in the right direction and showing us some of the connection we were hoping that he would have with Baker Mayfield. Mayfield continues to play at an above-average rate here. And let's not beat around the bush here. Mike Evans against Marshawn Lattimore. It's a thing. It's been a thing for like six, seven, eight years here. He can't get the dude off of him. He either gets injured, suspended, or locked down. None of those are good things. And if all that, if any of those happen, Chris Godwin is in store to continue rolling here. He's he's a low-end wide receiver too. Like I said, I've got him right next to T. Higgins. I trust his quarterback a little bit more than I do in Cincinnati there. That's why I've got him a spot higher. But outside of that, both in the same tier for me that I'm playing this week, especially in PPR leagues. Part of the reason why Baker Mayfield has seen his production jump is because he started to finally click with Chris Godwin. 100%. Godwin, Godwin with 34 targets over the last three games, seen a minimum of 11 in three straight contests. I'm with you with Chris Godwin, potentially being the preferred option given that matchup against a state secondary that has give given Mike Evans problems in the past for me, George Pickens. I was interested to see how he was going to respond this week. And I understand that, you know, he still only saw six targets, That's it. but boy, oh boy, did he produce in a big way, four receptions, 195 yards, two tutties against the Cincinnati Bengals secondary. You know, when Pickens plays like that, Pickens looks like a future superstar in the NFL. Problem is, we haven't seen it very often in this Pittsburgh Steelers passing offense. It does look like Mason Rudolph, though, which is part of the reason why I'm recommending starting him. It does look like Mason Rudolph could be in line to get his second consecutive start. And if that's the case, then I'm okay with going with George Pickens. This is a feisty secondary there for the Seattle Seahawks. I could see Pickens rising to the challenge and, and building off of what was a career day uh, into a game that there was some controversy and, and some drama and maybe some questions around Pickens and his effort. You know, he responded in a big way and you got to tip your hat to him and a big fantasy day. Maybe he can build that off that against the Seattle Seahawks uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers heading into week 17. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all or nothing with this guy. I can't be, he's Gabe Davis. To me, he is, so Gabe Davies, Gabe Davies, and I don't know, it's got to be a verb somewhere in there. But I mean, you're talking about high upside, high, low floor, like the risk is all over the place. To me, he's a situational play. If it's a coin toss matchup, I am having a hard time putting Pickens in there. But if you're an underdog, I'm an underdog in a matchup this week with the championship on the line. I'm playing a guy like Rashid Shahid. If you're going to go that direction, I don't mind putting all your eggs in the Pickens basket. If it's a coin flip, man, I'm going to have a hard time thinking he can do that two weeks in a row with Mason Rudolph. To me, he's Gabe Davis with a lesser quarterback and maybe a little bit more talent. If he checks, 
he had the big touchdown early. If he checks out early, this could go sideways in a hurry. So I get it. I'm not saying that that's reward. not within the range of outcomes. I, I get it. No, risk reward is all over the place there. I commend you for taking the taking the jump there. It's tough for me. If we're, go, if we're going all gas, no breaks, though, yeah. heading into week, oh, week yeah. 17. It, again, this is where it probably matters depending on what your fantasy projections are 100%. in your individual matchup. If you need to hit a home run, then I am willing to take a chance sure. on Gabe David or George Pickens. Uh, but if you're slated to be slightly favored by like 10 to 15 points and you want to make sure that you're not going to get a fantasy dud and you have another competent option, I get going in a different direction other than George Pickens because of the volatility we've seen from him all season. But I actually think that it's a, it's a positive that Mason Rudolph is going to be under center or there. could be under center again uh, for George Pickens as opposed to what the outlook is for Deontay Johnson. So let's flip the coin to the other side. Who is a wide receiver that you're looking to fade out of your lineup, if at all possible, heading into Week 17? I'll make it quick here, but I, I it just was pessimistic on George Pickens there. I still have him ranked five spots higher than I do Demarcus Robinson. I get that they're playing the Giants this week. I get that he's rolling with four touch or touchdown in four straight games here, but they're a six-point favorite. Kyron Williams, 20 carries in all four games this month, a touchdown in three of them. I don't know how we're going to keep spinning this touchdown luck in the favor of Robinson. He's got a target share that's just over 14% over the last two weeks. He's, he's scoring once every five catches this year for the math you know, incompetent out there. That's 20% of his catches. His career rate, just over 8%. There's some regression to be had here. I think a lack of volume is a problem in a game script that I don't think is going to favor the pass with them as a six-point favorite. Demarcus Robinson outside of my top 35 this week. Thank you for simplifying that for gotcha. the math and competent co-host that you have right now. So that helps. Um, Demarcus Robinson, though, since week 13, last four games, of course, we just talked about four uh, touchdown and four straight games. So, of course, that inflates the numbers. But he's the wide receiver 10 in PPR formats. Yeah, no, he's good. That's crazy. But the, the target share, is it sustainable? Is it something that you can trust in week 17? Certainly understand the argument against Robinson in your starting lineup this week. This is one that's not going to be popular. And I, Soppy, I thought about doubling down on Brees Hall um, because of the New York Jets offense. Last week, they played the most incompetent defense <laughs> in the National Football Maybe League. Maybe in the history this of mankind. <laughs> But they are not playing that same level of incompetency on the defensive side of the football heading into week 17. And we have seen the roller coaster ride from this Jets offense. It's mostly been bad this season, but looking on the other side, you know, we saw what they could do against the commanders. It was a healthy target share for Garrett Wilson last week. 15 targets, nine receptions for 76 yards, no scores. But that was against the commander's defense. This week, they're playing the Cleveland Browns, Soppy. And I just don't trust Garrett Wilson. Uh, not because he's not a great football player, but it's more so because of the fact that I simply do not trust what's going to be under center against that defense in week 17. Yeah, you don't have to sell me on it. We're in the opportunity business, and he gets opportunities, but they're not quality opportunities. It really doesn't matter. They're empty calories. I use that term a lot when it comes to talking about these backup quarterbacks. Garrett Wilson, no exception there. I don't mind benching him this week. Move on to a second receiver that you'd like to fade out of your lineup heading into week 17. I can't imagine there's a lot of people still counting on Adam Thielen, but he did look good against my Packers last week. I'm not buying it. He hasn't scored since mid-October. You're talking Chark had two touchdowns last week. Mingo, his role expanding. Chuba Hubbard gets his 20 carries a game. There's just not enough volume in a terrible offense for Adam Thielen to really 
get my gears going here against the Jaguars defense that I think's pretty decent. And if Lawrence sits, could be looking at a low possession game. Adam Thielen, a bench for me in all formats. Yeah, I'm not going to double down on the fact that I think Bryce Young's going to throw for 300 yards. Now, it it is interesting that the Jags defense, though, they have been susceptible on the back end. They've been giving up, I I believe, the fifth most passing yards per game. And and a lot of that has had to do with the recent struggles that they've had against opposing passing attacks, including getting, you know, diced up by Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just last week. But I'm with you. I'm not going to trust... Adam Thielen, when you just mentioned DJ Chark and um, Jonathan Mingo, their roles expanding and and Thielen's, you know, target volume, target share has dropped consistently oh, since yeah. his hot start from like week two to week 10 or something of that nature. Uh, it has dropped significantly. The floor isn't there and we haven't seen that ceiling that we saw from him earlier this season in a long time. So I'm OK with fading Adam Thielen, despite what on paper is a favorable matchup. For me, it's Drake London, and I won't spend too much time harping on Arthur Smith and the struggles or the confusing nature of the talented players uh, in this offense and why they've been unable to produce the numbers that I believe they're capable of doing. But Drake London, over the last two games, Soppy, combined seven targets, five receptions, and he's fewer than 70 yards receiving, uh, no scores. And this week he's got to go see Jalen Johnson, one of the best corners in the National Football League for the Chicago Bears. No thanks. I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm not gonna trust Drake London in this spot. Uh, he's been somebody who's been a constant, consistent. Um, appearance member or I guess cast member of the sit portion of this start sit podcast on a regular basis here in uh, throughout the 2023 season and in a, in a big week 17 spot I'm as much as I love London as a prospect I'm not going to bank on him uh, against that matchup against Jalen Johnson heading into week 17. Yeah couldn't agree more he's in the same tier as Demarcus Robinson for me this week which is outside my top 30. He's gonna be an interesting one to kind of judge and take the temperature of the room on when it comes to drafts in 2024 but closing out 2023 uh, you could do better. Speaking of doing better (laughs) we got to go to the quarterback position and we're just going to go with starting quarterbacks because We've seen, what, 79 starting quarterbacks throughout this season, and we've got a host of ones that you're not even going to, that are not going to sniff your lineup. So, who is your quarterback start of the week heading into week 17? If you somehow survived last week and have Brock Purdy on your roster, hopefully you weren't playing him last week, and maybe that's how you survived, but you fire him up this week. They're playing the commanders. Like, this is a matchup business we're in. Brock Purdy, he's done enough to prove that he's a viable NFL quarterback, just not against the Ravens in week 16. Like, that happens. That's fine. That's a great defense, arguably the best in the league you're talking about a guy that had 10 touchdowns in his three games prior to the dud a guy that had a passer rating north of 120 and five of six prior to the week 16 dud washington's giving up over 30 points a game no other defense is giving up even 27 this is a great spot for a bounce back spot here i think he's a great dfs play he's a great play in season long as well he's a top five quarterback for me I expect him to have a big bounce back week assuming that he plays and he's able to get through that stinger um some two of those picks you can argue weren't really on him they had success moving the ball early in that contest against the Ravens defense they just you know obviously Purdy turning the football over you can't do that against a a team of that caliber uh, and expect to come away with a win 
while there are some long-term questions, maybe with a performance like that or his sure. outlook heading into the NFL playoffs, playoffs who yeah. cares? Week 17, he's playing against the Washington Commanders who just gave up 30 points to the New York Jets. So you're starting Brock Purdy with confidence, assuming that he yep. is good to go heading into week 17. For me, it's Derek Carr. Mm-hmm. Um, I Look, I get that Derek Carr has some head-scratching performances, but the table is set for him to, you know, justify his contract, potentially make a push for not only the division, but also to get this team into the postseason in the NFC. He's coming off of one of his most productive outings. He's thrown eight touchdown passes over the last three games. Mm-hmm. He finally clicked on all cylinders with Chris Olave, got Rashid Shahid involved. Of course, he still got Alvin Kamara out of the backfield. Jawan Johnson looks like he's all of a sudden, you know, a viable, you know, streaming option at the tight end position it's because Derek Carr seems to be kind of turning a corner in recent weeks I don't want to overreact but this matchup against the Buccaneers secondary despite them doing a great job against Trevor Lawrence and company I'm still not convinced that they're fully fixed on the back end I still think that they can give up a handful of big plays uh, to capable receivers which a la Chris Olave and Rashid Shaheed both fit the bill uh, even maybe a little A.T. Perry sprinkled in there I think it's a it, it's a favorable position and matchup for Derek Carr to have a big week and justify that contract uh, and potentially get the Saints into the postseason. Yeah, I think he's pretty clearly the top streamer of the week. Much like I'm trusting the process with Brock Purdy over his resume over the entire season, you're trusting the same with the Buccaneers defense that one bad week for Purdy, in my case, one good week for the Bucs, doesn't right the ship. So I'm with you here, Derek Carr, inside my top 15 for realistically the first time this year. And then speaking of riding the ship, it seems like another take and another player that you've been all over for the majority of this season. Looks like he's in a favorable spot. Who's your tight end start of the week heading into week 17? Yeah, for better or worse, this is a Gerald Everett fan club over here at the Soppy residence, but he's got a target share north of 23% with Easton Stick under center. I understand those targets aren't insanely valuable, but they're close to the line of scrimmage. They're high percentage targets at the very least. They showed some creativity with him last week, which is what I'm kind of banking on here inside the red zone. Like they come out of the first quarter timeout and it's, hey, we're going to scheme up a screen pass for Gerald Everett. We're going to try to get the ball in this guy's hands. And then he saw an end zone target later in that drive. So they're trying to kind of get to go in that direction because they don't have a receiver they trust. Josh Palmer's fine. He's not a one. Quentin Johnson's less than fine. He's not a wide receiver too. They're out of options there. Austin Eckler's fine. You know, it is what it is there. We know he's lost a step. Gerald Everett's inside my top 12 at the tight end position this week. 100% on board with this one in particular, the Denver Broncos struggling to slow down opposing tight ends all season, giving up the highest fantasy points per game in PPR formats to the tight end position. On board with Gerald Everett for this week. For me, it's Cole Komet. I'm going to keep banging the Cole Komet drum. 107 yards receiving. Yeah. Week. First one. And that was when he got banged up against the Arizona Cardinals, Soppy. Four receptions on five targets, 107 yards. Um, continues to be involved. Now he is dealing with an injury, so you need to monitor his status. But if Komet's a go, I'm all all systems go with Cole Komet heading into week 17. He's still the tight end seven in PPR format, Soppy. I mean, I get that you get a couple spike weeks, but Komet's been pretty solid uh, and pretty involved throughout the entire season working as the number two option alongside DJ Moore in this passing game. So still got commit as a top 12 option at the tight end position if he is active for week 17. Oh, no, you're crazy. He's tight end 13, so not a top 12 tight end. 
Sorry, he's not a tight end one on Soppy's board. Go. We got nope. uh, so speaking of which, let's close it out. Uh, who's the tight end that you want to fade out of your lineup heading into week 17? Yeah, it's a holiday season, and I don't have much in the way of a repertoire when it comes to holiday books, movies, and otherwise. But I know Charlie Brown. I know he tries to kick that sink in football, and Lucy keeps picking it up for him. That's what Kyle Pitts is. He scored two of his last three games. I'm not falling for it. You can't. Let me go that direction again. You're too nice of a person, Derek. Your friends don't let friends start Kyle Pitts when the game is on the line here. That's where I'm going. No more than five targets in seven of his last nine games. The volume's not there. You mentioned it with Drake London in this passing game. I'm not betting on an Arthur Smith offense in the stretch run if I can help it. Kyle Pitts outside my top 15, barely. But he is trending in the right direction, which is why, you know, Lucy's putting the football back on the ground. Don't do it. Yeah, don't fall for it. I'm not going to trust... Pitts or Arthur Smith, for that matter, um, in week 17, if, if I can help it at all, which I can help it at the tight end position. There's a handful of other guys I really like, but I actually like Pitts more than this guy. And this may surprise you a little bit, Soppy, but it's Dalton Kincaid Ooh. is my sit of the week Ooh. at the tight end position. I understand the groan because we all love Dalton Kincaid as a pass catching prospect and he has flashed that ability. But when Dawson Knox is yeah. in the lineup, the splits are concerning, if not awful, for Dalton Kincaid. He's been active the last two weeks. Sapi, four targets for Dalton Kincaid combined over the last two games, just one catch for seven yards. Like, I, I get it. He's, I think he's going to have a great career, and he's going to be in the tight end one conversation heading into next season if they decide – to part ways with Dawson Knox. We don't know what's going to happen as far as roster decisions heading into 2024 quite yet, and we're not going down that road. We're talking about this week. And this week, with Dawson Knox active and taking snaps away from Dalton Kincaid, which he has seen fewer than 50% of the snaps, Soppy, mm -hmm. in two straight games. And that was after, you know, th these are actually season lows. It was a season low 42% snap share for Dalton Kincaid last week. I'm not messing with him. I love him as a, as a prospect. I think he's got a bright future. He's just not going to be in my fantasy lineup in week 17. I'm a little more optimistic than you, but not much. I mean, this star has obviously lost some of the shine to it here. I would caution against reading too much into the target count over the past two weeks because Josh Allen's only thrown 36 passes in those yeah. two games. But the snap count, like what you mentioned, that's the concerning part that he's not on the field enough to matter. This offense can't even sustain Stefan Diggs right now. Doing that for a rookie tight end is, is a tall ask right now. And that'll do it for the Week 17 Start Sit episode here on the PFN Fantasy Podcast. If this is your first time coming across the YouTube channel, go ahead and do the deed. Subscribe, hit the like button, make sure you click the bell so you get notified every single time we drop a new bit of video content here on the PFN Fantasy YouTube channel. We just went over 12,000 subscribers, but if you have not yet done so, we want to get to 13,000 as soon as humanly possible. We appreciate the love and support. Speaking of the support, if you're listening via podcast, just subscribe, rate, review, five-star review, that's a perfect Christmas gift as we head into the 2024 calendar year and beyond here at Pro Football Network. For Kyle Sapi, I'm Derek Tate. And until next time, everybody, later, says the tape.